Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. Jordan trying to shake off Starks. Oh, what a move! Against Gil, the crowd on its feet. Allen for the win! To the Sneaker History Podcast. What up, what up? Welcome back to the Sneaker History Podcast. I'm with my guys, Mike and Robbie, but we've got a special guest today to talk some sneakers. I was trying to think of when when our guest and I first connected. Probably like 2012, 2013 is, is when I remember reaching out and putting him on a list with a bunch of other people at uh, on Complex. But I think we'll get into his backstory a little bit more. And uh, just want to introduce everybody to Mosh Customs. What's uh, up? How's it going, man? It's good. I, 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 it seems like so long that I can't remember when it was when we first started talking, but it sounds about right. Yeah, I mean, I I know, you know, I lived in, in New York like 2012, 2013. Um, so I know we met in person a couple times at various events then. Yeah. But um, yeah, I was trying to think back, you know, like my first, the first thing that comes to mind was the thing that I did at Complex where I remember you had made a Kobe 8, like a what the Kobe 8 that had like a leopard skin oh, yeah. or leopard print tongue. Yep. Um, that's the one that stood out in my mind, but I also know there's tons of other stuff there. So, um, maybe give a little bit of background on, on who you are and, um, you know, how you kind of got started in this whole thing. Yeah. Um, well, my name is Dan Gamash. So people always ask where Mosh came from and people always, if they read the word, they don't know how to pronounce it. So it's been a common, uh, call me mock, mosh, mache, you know, whatever. And uh, Gamash is my full name, and I played baseball, and there was uh, four Dans on the baseball team. So what happened was you started to get called by your last name, and obviously it started as Gamash, and then it just got shortened to Mosh, and it always stuck. Um, you know, I've always been art. Always, obviously, shoes is something that we all share and all that stuff. Um, I started doing the custom shoes back in 2004 well before yeah, any kind of social media. I think, you know, having the Nike talks and the ISS forums and, you know, uptowns.net, that was kind of like our social media back then. And just kind of learning that other people were doing custom shoes. You know, back then there was no YouTube to show how to do things. And it was just a lot of trial by error. We were just doing it for fun, just kind of a bunch of artists and people that had appreciation for shoes as well. And we were just kind of doing whatever, you know, it could have been just artwork based on like comic books or, you know, themes flipping, you know, say a Jordan three 
print on an Air Max 90 or something like that. It was just kind of trying stuff and it wasn't so much for attention. It was just more to be creative and kind of, you know, bounce our ideas off of other people that shared a common interest. You know, then obviously you fast forward 18 years, which makes me feel really old and just seeing where it is now, it's, it's, it's wild. Yeah. Such a different, different beast altogether. Right. I mean, I think, is there, I mean, 2004, 2005, like that era was, that era was completely different. Like you said, you know, you might've had maybe a MySpace, but you know, up to oh, yeah. like that was like, I bet you most people probably don't even remember that. Um, that was like Nike park era. And when like all of our conversations around sneakers, uh, typically just lived within those forums. Oh yeah. Like our goal was as, as a customized, it wasn't even a customizer back then. We just wanted to be on the top of the customs forum on ISS. That was like the top of the thread. If you were there, you were popping. And that was the equivalent of getting, you know, 20,000 likes on Instagram these days. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so I guess like we've got some questions for you just to kind of, you know, fill people in and, um, I'll start off with kind of the first, the first one is, uh, you know, what was that first time where you, I don't want to say hit it big, but you like, you got a ton of attention from your work. You know, I think there's so many different places now you could look at that, but do you remember that time of like, just like, holy shit, never thought this would happen. Yeah. I mean, I think that the, the pair that I actually did for LeBron back in 2013 was the one that put me in more of a, um, a mainstream space. Um, I had been doing it for years and years and years, but the fact that, you know, LeBron got a pair of shoes and being the entity that he is and the reach that he has, you know, he had kids in Iowa who knew who Mosh Custom was. And that was probably the biggest moment at that time. I remember I went to, this is when Instagram was just starting to get popping and I was, I went to sleep and looked at you know, whatever my follower account was. And then LeBron had posted the shoes. I didn't realize that he had, and I woke up and like, I had 13,000 more followers than I went to bed with that next morning. <laughs> and that, and I, that was, that's a big um, attribute to the algorithm and how it was back then. I mean, that wouldn't happen the way that it is now, but that was probably the first moment where it was more of more people than just our little niche um, group knowing who I was. So I remember that pretty vividly because you actually, if I remember right, like you had posted a picture, like giving him the shoes. And I want to say he's wearing like a, like that D Wade hat that was trendy back then. Um, Yeah, that was, um, it was the, he was going to the arena for the all-star game. So he was in his suit and all that. And I went to the hotel and was just waiting for him. And, you know, before then, uh, no one knew that he was there, but it was like, it was a team hotel. Like when I'm sitting in the lobby, I'm, I see Tim Duncan walking by. I see, um, I saw Drake, you know, like just all these different people. And as soon as LeBron came out, then I gave him the shoes and then a swarm of people just came and hounded him. And he was just trying to get out to go to the game. But, um, I ended up going out there to Houston to deliver the shoes. And that was kind of part of the, you know, him taking care of me. Um, he got us out there and took care of us and, it was cool. You know, it was a cool, very quick exchange, but just the fact of the impact that it had on not only sneakers, but our custom little world, uh, it was big. Dang, man, you were, oh, go ahead, go ahead. That Iron Man 10, right? Yeah. And the, crazy box. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the funniest part was I had done it. Um, it was the week before or like leading up to it. And I was dealing with LeBron's team and Nike, his Nike rep supposed to give me the shoes and 
this is three days before I'm supposed to leave for Houston and the shoes hadn't come yet. So I'm freaking out because first off, you can't find a LeBron 10 in his size, like like your local footlocker. So you can't just go and get it. So I'm like freaking out. And finally, I get a hold of um, LeBron's people and they overnighted a pair of shoes and I did it. And I just ran down to Home Depot and got a big Husky box and painted it. And that's kind of how that came across. But I had no real rhyme or reason. I knew it was going to be Iron Man. That's about all I really knew. There wasn't much of a game plan. I usually don't have a game plan when it comes to these custom shoes. I just look at the shoe and kind of feel with it and go with it. It's kind of like if you go to a tattoo artist and they freehand the design. It's kind of how I do it. That's definitely an Iron Man 2 vibe. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I, I remember they were revealing the suit, like the new you know color blocking and whatever, and I wanted to really make it as authentic as possible because I had done a Tony Stark LeBron 9 Elite before, and he had seen that. And he actually came to me initially because I had done another LeBron 10 that was based off the Devastator from um, Transformers. And he had seen those, and he tweeted about it, and you know, got back to him that I was the one that did them because he already knew who I was. And I was, this is when I just started to really work on my own and do it, you know, as a, as a full-time gig. Um, I had made like 12 pairs available for people to order and purchase. And I told him that, and he was like, you know, I really want to get a one-on-one something just for me, which is understandable. You know, everyone wants to get something for themselves. And that's when he suggested the Iron Man. And funny thing is then the LeBron 11 was actually based off of Iron Man. Like with the whole with the um the foam and all that stuff, so it's kind of funny that those things kind of tied together. But I didn't know they were going to tie together until the next model came out. So you I mean clearly this is something that you love to do even before you started like kind of breaking out on your own and doing it for like I mean doing it for your occupation. Like when is the the first time you remember like getting a check or someone's like, hey, we want to pay you for you know, one of your, your customizations, one of your, you know, one-on-ones. Right. Well, when I first started, I, again, I didn't know what that guy was doing. Like there was no, no manual or anything to tell you how to properly prep a shoe and like, what's the right paint and things like that. So when I did my first pair, I had a pair of beat up Air Max 90s in my mom's basement. And I was just got some paint from like Michael's craft store and was painting and they were all different shades of purple. I have a picture of the actual first ever Mosh custom. And back then they were dope, but in hindsight, they were absolutely terrible because you see paint strokes everywhere and whatever. But, um, I just kept practicing like, it's like a sport. You get better at it and you feel more comfortable in your abilities. And, you know, when I felt more comfortable and learned more of how to properly do it, that's when I would start to open it up and actually charge money. Cause people were asking me to do it like at the barber shops and things like that. Cause again, that was the only way to really get my name out back then besides ISS and whatever. But, um, I, so trying to think, yeah, it's probably, probably in that first year of me doing stuff. So 2003, 2004, yeah, I just had local guys wearing my stuff and I was charging like 75 bucks to paint the shoes just cause I was still learning, you know? And then as I got better at doing colorways and things like that, that's when I branched out into what I'm used to doing, which is, you know, more detailed artwork and painting it by hand you know, like portraits and cartoons and, you know, whatever it was. Nice. So did you, from that, that growth to going to barbershops and, you know, kind of, kind of like guerrilla marketing yourself, like, Hey, I can do this, this, and this. Oh, when yeah, did a brand first reach out to you? Like, Hey, I want you to do this for us. Like, when did that relationship start happening? 
Um, when I first started really getting my name out, I was going to like the Funkmaster Flex car shows and giving my shoes like, <laughs> and like giving my shoes to Fat Joe awesome. and things like that. Like that was that was there was an international sneaker battle and all these things, and there was a custom um category and i won like best customer or whatever um so that was like you said like just kind of grill marketing kind of going out there and get giving your product to anyone who would take it you know it was one of those things where i understood that you had to build a relationship you had to get it out there and you know that's the only way it was going to happen you know it wasn't like you could just dm somebody on twitter and be like hey i want to give you a free pair of shoes it wasn't like that so um i can't remember exactly when the first time like a brand came to me, but what ended up happening was, you know, I remember people that maybe were interns at different agencies back then, you know, like a Danny Nunez and, you know, uh, Josh Medek and things like that. They were, you know, working with Jordan and whatever, but at that time they were still really, really small time. So it was just a matter of, you know, maintaining relationships. And, you know, when they did actually get into more of a, a role where they could do things, they would come back to me and be like, Hey, we got a cool idea. You know, we want to implement you for this. And that was across the board, you know, with brands, you know, it could be, it was, you know, between Puma, Adidas, Nike, Jordan, Asics, you know, whatever. And it's kind of just grown, you know, they, they look to me for, you know, quick turnaround projects. And I remember, um, Josh was work. Josh Manadek, he's now with Nike basketball and he had me do a pair of shoes for, uh, for Gino, um, when UConn women won their ninth title. So we did a Kobe nine. And it was literally, he sent me a pair of blank white Kobe nines. That was like a sample pair. And we were just sitting and waiting if the women won. And as soon as the girls won, I got a text from Josh. He's like, all right, big boy, let's get to work. So I painted, <laughs> so I, I painted all night and got them done and actually drove up the stores and came to, to Gino. And yeah, it was a cool experience. I'm, I'm relatively close to, to UConn. I mean, it's like an hour and a half ride. But, you know, I, I delivered them and kind of tying into a Kobe story was when um, when Gino got the shoes, he was tweeting and talking to Kobe and he was like, he goes, I got a pair of Kobe's you'll never have <laughs> and all this stuff. <laughs> so, so it was, it was pretty cool to be part of that cool kind of moment. I wish I could, I, Gino doesn't have a Twitter anymore. I wish I had it. Cause I was trying to screenshot it when, um, obviously when Kobe passed, cause it was a really cool story. You've done a lot of shoes, but those nine elites are one of my top five, like the details, like it looks like it was laser, not hand done. It's insane. Yeah, that's like it's one of the things that I really try to do. It's with customs. There's such a wide array of, I guess, types of customs. There's the, you know, with the brands now, they're so big in the DIY and making things that look like arts and crafts projects, which I, I can respect. But like that was never like my goal. I always want to make a custom look like it was, you know, came off the line or looked factory, you know, unless someone was asking for that. So when I did a, a request like that, I always wanted to make it look like that it was legit. Unless you told them it was custom, they wouldn't know. Man. So from like the gorilla marketing, this next analogy is going to make sense, but you're kind of like the Jay-Z of shoe customization. I know you're a big Jay-Z fan. Oh yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> like, go ahead. I was going to, I was just going to say, yeah, I'm slinging shoes out of the back of my trunk. <laughs> no, I mean, and it also comes back to like, when did you go from like a businessman to a businessman and like itch the job and decide like Mosh Customs is what I'm doing from here on out? Yeah. Um, be, before I took it 
I guess it's like a full-time thing. I mean, I worked so many different jobs. I, I couldn't even tell you, but you know, at the time I was still getting somewhat notoriety for my work. You know, I'd you know, been published in like soul collector when they still had a magazine and you know, I was, I was in sneaker freaker and you know, p- people in, in the sneaker world, you know, were starting to learn who I was and knew my work. And one of the many jobs I was doing was I was selling um, credit card processing door to door. And I happened to go into a sneaker store and they recognized me because they had the sneaker freaker issue that I was in. And they're like, why are you doing this? And I was like, cause yeah, I got to make money. <laughs> you know? And you know, they, they asked, they asked me if they want, if I wanted to work there and kind of, you know, work on just doing customs in there and whatever. So I ended up quitting that job and working there and running this, helping run the store. And I was painting shoes and I was getting, you know, I was getting orders online, you know, going through Instagram or whatever, you know, still not really charging much for what I did. Cause I was still just working on building my name to, you know, whatever it is now. And then it got to a point where I remember when I did the LeBron nine nerf custom, that was probably the first part where I took a turn to be like, this is a little more serious because I was spending more time answering my emails than dealing with the store. And I didn't have the the time to deal with the store. And I was like, I got to leave. And I remember the guy had told me, he's like, well, you know, if the sneaker thing doesn't work out, you can always come back. And I always kind of remember that as like a, like a big F you to me. And I was like, nah, this is, this is going to work. Cause you know, it's one of those things where there's no safety net. You're just going to go and do it. And yeah, you know, I, I can't, I wish I could remember the year that I stopped, I started doing it, but it was, you know, it was around the LeBron nine. So whatever year that was, 2012, I'd say. Exactly. And yeah. So, and that's where I, where I met you. How about that? So, um, yeah, so that, that's kind of where it started, you know, and then my wife was, you know, my wife was my girlfriend at the time she was, she was working and she pushed me to, to go out and do that. Cause she saw the potential in what I was doing. And she was like, you can't be just riding here doing this. You have to go and really pursue this. And she's been a driving force in this whole thing. Mrs. Mosh, you know, she has her own little cult following of, of people that, that support her too. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. From payment processing to processing payments. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> so we've talked about, you know, some of my favorites like that. LeBron 9 nerf was beautiful. Obviously, the Yukon story. I love the story aspect of of all this sneaker stuff. That's kind of where I ended up in this whole world. And, and you know, the Iron Man, LeBron 10. Like, if you had to say, like, your three you know, favorites that you've worked on over the years, could you do it? It's hard because, you know, as, as an artist first, you're always very emotionally invested in whatever you're working in. You know, I'm very fortunate now that I can kind of pick and choose the projects and the things that I work on. You know, it's not out of necessity. So it's not just like someone comes to me with like, I want to do a South Beach Jordan 11. And I'll usually say no, just because, you know, at the end of the day, there's so many people that can do that custom. I want someone to come to me and be like, I want to get something that only you can do. So I think anything that has a lot more, um, artistic freedom. I remember, um, I remember doing a pair of uh, liquid swords dunks for the Jizza for Wu-Tang. That was probably one of my top pairs. And the, the, the story that kind of goes with that too is, um, I had done them for myself cause I was obviously I've always been a, you know, a fan of artwork, but being also a Wu-Tang fan, you know, the liquid swords album was a very iconic cover. And I remember doing them on a pair of dunk highs for myself and end up getting hit up by someone from, from Wu-Tang, like a producer. And he wanted, uh, Jizza wanted to get a pair done for the Pitchfork Festival because he was going to 
um, perform the whole liquid surge album in its entirety for his set. And he wanted to wear the shoes. And so I didn't really have time to do another pair. So I found out he wore the same size I had. And I was like, well, I'll just give him my pair. And thinking I would do another pair for myself, I never did. <laughs> so I um, ended up going down to New York. And I remember delivering the shoes to him. And he, uh, he traded me a pair of the original A-Life pumps, um, the, um, the ball outs, the originals for him. Because he was asked if I was a collector. And I was like, yeah. He's like, you know, do you want the A-Life? So I'm like, yeah, let, let's do it. So, you know, secret head of heart always. And um, that same night was um, when Ronnie Feig was doing his uh, his first ever ASICS collaboration with uh, David Z. was the same night. And they had a big event for it because my buddy Treats, who used to write at Complex at the time, he DJs. I DJ with him in college and I was going down there to just go and support him. Didn't even know, you know, who, who Ronnie was or anything like that. And I ended up going to that same event and was walking, walking to David Z holding my pumps in my, in my one hand. And I'm going to this event for the A6. I'm getting two out of the three pairs and the t-shirt and all that stuff. So it was kind of a, a crazy moment in sneaker history for, for not only me, but also like for Ronnie too. So I told him that, that story a couple of years back and he was like, that's a wild story. I'm like, yeah, who would have known? Yeah. You know, what's even crazier about that is like, I mean, I know you're in Connecticut, but I know you're close enough to the city that, you know, you're there regularly, but it's, it's like, that's like a trifecta of New York sneaker things at that moment. Right. Like it's yeah. so poignant. If you think back about that time. Yeah. The intersection was crazy. And you know, like I'm probably like an hour away. So it's uh, like you said, I, I can get down there pretty easily. Now, Mosh, with with everything that's, I mean, you kind of just it kind of explained it with your last answer. Like you have all this visibility with with people in your sneakers and just everything going on near, especially like New York and that the East Coast. Like with all these outlets starting to put more of a a view, uh, an emphasis on sneakers. Like big big companies like ESPN, you know, Bleacher Report, and even just the NBA itself. Does it put more? you found it being more pressure on you to, you know, produce something different to stand out from, you know, everybody else trying to be a customizer and then just different things that the athletes and, you know, even celebrities are wearing, or is it something that you like the pressure and like to push your creative uh, juices for lack yeah. of a better word? Yeah. Well, uh, I'm a competitor by nature. Um, like I, I played sports all my life. I was a college athlete. So I, I always say that I'm the type that would probably punch a little kid in the face to win a game of badminton. I've always been that way. <laughs> and, and, you know, seeing where, you know, I started and, you know, there really wasn't anyone out there doing it the way I I'm doing it currently back then, you know, I, I would see the sabotages and the stashes and the few tours. Those are the people that I looked up to when I started, you know, the, and just seeing, I remember when sabotage had that Nike dunk, I was like, well, it's possible to, you know, obviously kind of cross over and have a major brand do something. So that was kind of always a goal of mine was to work with a brand. Um, little did I know what would happen, you know, fast forward 18 years. Um, I, th I think the competitive nature is great. I think, you know, the young guys and so many people that are out there doing it now, obviously, you know, as a competitive type, it's kind of like iron sharpens iron. When I see someone that's doing really well, I'm happy for them. And I'm just like, yep. I was like, I'm going to step up my game just because, you know, I want to, I want to kind of, I guess, maintain, you know, the, the, um, 
not only the popularity, but just the, um, what's the, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Like the reputation that I have, you know, just kind of doing things the right way, but not really checking so much to like see what other people are doing for inspiration, but just kind of looking forward. It's kind of like, I, I think of that, that uh, picture of Michael Phelps when he's swimming and the other people behind him. That's kind of like my mentality, but also I'm also not so high up in the clouds that I don't know what's going on. Cause I have to be in touch with what's going on to stay relevant. Because, you know, being around for 18 years and just being stubborn and sick to my style and you don't adapt to styles and trends, you're just being stubborn. You're going to get left in the dust. So, I mean, do you get competitive or do you want to outdo yourself? Like you it's a do both. It's a little bit of both. for Stefan Diggs, like, do you want to just like, okay, I'm going to do the best one I've done yet? Yeah. I mean, every week I'm trying to time myself and it's certainly become a challenge just because every week it's like, damn, we just did a pair with big perm with curlers on it. <laughs> like, how are we going to top that next week? You know, and every week, you know, you get the bleacher, like you said, the bleacher reports and the ESPNs covering this stuff. And it's, you know, with the guys that are similarly as competitive with these pro athletes, they want to top each other as well. Like I remember I used to get photos of say I was working with one athlete and I get a picture of someone else's customs and be like, we got to top those. You know, and me, I'm like, yeah, I'm down. Let's go. And it's always been that way. Um, you know, with, with Diggs, the relationship, it has been great over the, the first, you know, four years we worked together and, you know, him going to Buffalo, I, the dynamic won't change. Obviously we'll, we'll use a different shade of, of, uh, of colors and paints, but, um, when you get people that trust your vision and trust what you're, what you're doing, but also care so much about the end product and not have any kind of investment, um, you want to stick with those kind of people and take care of them. That's why our relationship's been so good. You know, there's guys that might just get you know one off here and there, which is great, but you have someone every week that's just as excited as you are, you know, it makes you just want to do the best for them. Maybe instead of Starbucks, you'll do a Tim Hortons or something. <laughs> Could you imagine? I think uh, he, he's he's going to have a little bit of a culture shock when he gets up there. But I, I think uh, you know, there's the fan base in Buffalo is great. You know, my, like I said, my mom's a fan, my brother's a fan, and he actually lives up that way. But I, I, I said I'll have to make a trip. I already told him that we're going to do a, a West Side Gun pair for Week One, so I have to let him know who West Side Gun is first. <laughs> oh man! Um, so I mean. If you had to pick a favorite, like this is children, do you like working with the NFL or the WWE more? I think those like are those like your two or MLB? Like, what's your favorite sport to work in conjunction with? Um, I think, I mean, I, I think each one has its own thing that makes it great. Um, working with WWE, certainly working, being part of such a a great company and you know they have such a big reach and the pe people are just like they're great but you know they also have to kind of stick within whatever their character is so or you know their gimmick so like when i do like stuff for like becky lynch you know it's we're always going to stick within whatever her thing is or like I remember when i was doing nikki bella's shoes you know they would have to get approved by vince before they went on so you know there's a little more you know checks and balances for the most part but i think with uh, with the nfl you know they give there's such a wide array of themes. You can kind of open up the, the playbook a lot more and it'll give a lot more options as a creative. You know, I, th I think having less handcuffs on you, the better. I mean, if you just have to stick with the colorway, that's one thing. You're like, you know, figuring out a way to, to make um, Michelle Tanner a full house fit a Minnesota Vikings colorway. It's always a fun challenge. So let me flip that. So if you were 10-year-old Dan, who would he be most excited that you're working with? 
which sport? Of 10-year-old Dan, I would probably say wrestling. Just because, you know, I, I think when I was younger, I was all about playing baseball. <laughs> so, I, I think if I was doing stuff for Frank Thomas and Ken Griffey Jr. and Randy Johnson <laughs> back back then, it would be a different answer. But um, just as a, as a fan, um, you know, the, the, the fact that Stone Cold Steve Austin follows me on Twitter is crazy. <laughs> yeah, I would have never thought that was going to happen. So that that would be that'd be my final answer. <laughs> that's 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 amazing. Um, yeah. I guess like to kind of like take that one step deeper into the business aspect of of your work and how you've been able to partner with these massive entities. Do you find that any particular um, any one of the partners that you've had across all these different platforms, whether it be like a, a Nike or Adidas or ASICs or whomever, or on the WWE, you know, NFL side, does any one of those, um, you know, I guess maybe in turn support you more? I know like the, the creative freedom is a big thing, but there's also the, you know, kind of give and take of like, is this going to get love on social channels or is this going to be put into an experience that, you know, people can come see at a game or at a, you know, a match right. or whatever that is. No, I understand. Um, I'll be honest with you. Um, the WWE has, has shown a lot of love, um, with, with just sharing stuff. I remember when I did the stone cold beats for digs against Dallas, you know, WWE shared it on all their channels and they didn't have to do that. So I, I especially with their reach and whatever, and, and the fact that WWE is so protective of their, their properties and the fact that they do that is, is a huge, you know, huge thing for me, just because I know how many other Instagram pages get shut down because they're using their content and the fact that they are cool with me working with them. That's awesome. But then also the Vikings, you know, this past year, they we every week we would do they would have a, a separate feature on whatever I was doing for digs every week. Like they had my own graphic and they would have show it in the stadium, which is, you know, as again, as a Vikings fan is is surreal. Um, but it seems like those those two have been have been great helping with that and also the athletes you know they genuinely want to support and show love you know and i'm not even just digs but you get the, you know the cc sabathias and things like guys like that they, they all they all show love and i think that's you know why relationships are so important because they genuinely want to show love just as much as i want want to do a great product for them yeah dan so you you mentioned and, and we've all seen it just firsthand through all of the like the Instagram posts and just, you know, different outlets that, that feature your sneakers, you do such a great job and have such an amazing reputation. Do you ever get to a point that when you're trying to make these awesome products for your, for your clients that you ever hit a creative wall? And if you do, what do you, I guess, what do you do to get through it and get past it to, to get to the next thing? Yeah. I mean, when, when you're full speed ahead all the time, um, you, you certainly get burnt out no matter if you're doing something that you love all the time or not. I mean, I know probably about a month ago I, I hit a wall and I was just like, I need a break because I hadn't really given myself a break. You know, even if we're on, you know, you know, say my wife and I are on vacation, I'm still on my phone, you know, worrying about content, worrying about all these other things. Um, in terms of the creative part, I mean, it's one of those things where it's, it's a crazy balance because you want to find something obviously to, to draw in a crowd and, you know, to get eyes on you. And, you know, for the most part, you know, sneaker blogs don't really share the custom shoes as much as they used to. I mean, I remember I had a, I had a conversation with Yu Ming years ago and he was just saying how like sneaker news just 
stop covering customs altogether just because, you know, for personal preference, he was just like, they were just putting up anything. You know, if it was a custom that had a South Beach colorway or whatever, they're putting it up and it was kind of tarnishing the reputation of custom shoes because, you know, some things just weren't good and there was no real person. I mean, it's kind of hard to be like, who's in charge to say what's a good custom and what's not because art's so subjective. But um, going going back to this creative thing, like you want to have come out with something that you know people are going to like or say like if you're trying to you know get a little attention you'll you'll do a shoe on you know you'll do a travis scott custom or you'll do you know on a on not easy anymore but like you know back in the day doing a pair of air mags you know you're going to get attention for that so it's kind of like you got to figure out what 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 is a, a topic or a theme or a base shoe that's going to garner your self-attention without taking away from your credibility of your reputation what you're known for like, I don't want to just, I get asked a million times to do a Louis Vuitton custom. I won't do it because that's not what I do. You know, and it's, it, it's tough, you know, but then there's other times I'm like, I just don't know what to do or, you know, or, you know, just thinking of creative things, but with the internet and things, there, there's so many topics and, you know, other inspirations that you can find. I mean, when I first started, it was all about movies, sports, music, things that, you know, when I was a kid, that's what got me going. And I kind of feel like as an older person, I hate to say I'm an older person in this sneaker generation now, you know, I don't really connect with the Dragon Ball Z stuff. You know, I'm not that generation. So I'm like, and I'm not going to just do it to get attention because that's not me. That's not what I do. So I figured out other ways to connect with that younger generation and, you know, whether it's going, you working with younger athletes and things like that, you just got to find a way to, to make it work if you want to sustain, you know? Yeah, man, that, that makes a ton of sense. And one, one thing I really picked up on, there's a couple of things seem like you won't do. What's like the top three requests that you get that you're just, there's no debate. You're not going to do it besides South beach. <laughs> Yeah, any any kind of that designer stuff. You know, I, I leave that to the pros. I feel like you know Dapper Dan did his thing back in the day, and it, you know unless you're using some authentic material and so on that stuff on, I won't go near it. I won't paint it. Um, I remember even when I did the pair for Nikki Bella, she wanted to get the Louis Vuitton print, the Louis Vuitton Supreme on her uh, her Jordan ones, and I was like, I won't do it, even for you. <laughs> but what I'm doing is suggesting a way to get that vibe, but still make it personal. So I made. I remember I, I interlocked the NB in, you know, for Nikki Bella looking like the Louis Vuitton. And then I, instead of the Supreme, I wrote fearless in that font. So it was a way to, to kind of get what she wanted and still get that vibe, but also kind of keep my credibility and kind of keep my values intact. Um, trying to think what else I would, I would turn down. It, it's more just either j- just not stepping on toes or like, say like another design that someone else had done. Like they'll come to me and, you know, can you do this? I'm like, why don't you go to that other person? You know, for, for, for one, you know, I, I don't know if you're looking to get that done, you should probably go to the original artist or me. You know, I probably charge more than that person anyway for, for the time. And I think that's also a, a challenge too, is, you know, people, how they look at customs. Some people look at custom shoes as just a consumer product as, you know, looking at it and being like, oh, it's, you know, very expensive to pay, you know, three hundred four hundred dollars for a pair of shoes as it is but then you know artwork on top of that you know it's it's all art is worth what someone's willing to pay for it and that's how i look at it now i don't really look at it as as a shoe i look at it as that's the canvas and then you're paying for the artwork i think that uh, as long as people understand that and can respect it then we'll be we'll be totally totally fine but there's other people that are just looking for a bargain and you know what custom shoes just aren't for you Right. I mean, you get what you pay for. If you want something for 40 bucks, 
go buy yeah. a can of spray paint. Yeah, I just realized I went on a total tangent there, so I apologize for that. No, you're <laughs> good. Um, so, I mean, Mosh, the the sneaker fan, what was the first shoe that you really got was and was like, damn, I love shoes? Like Black, and silver, black and silver Jordan 5s. That was it. Um, when, I, when I was a kid, um, I, I, I was raised in a trailer park. Yeah, we, we weren't poor, but, but we definitely weren't someone that could just go out and spend $100 on a pair of sneakers. So, you know, when I told my mom I wanted a pair of Jordans, you know, she was like, all right, well, go, go, uh, go earn that money. So I was mowing lawns and shoveling driveways and doing all that. And, you know, I gathered up my money and went to Foot Locker, you know, when it was still the AstroTurf on the walls and they had the scoreboard and all that stuff. And, you know, you <laughs> did, there, there was no East Bay magazine or any sneaker news or nice kicks to tell you what shoes were coming out. So at the time, the last Air Jordan I saw was the four. So when I went there, I was thinking I was, that's how I was going to get. And then I went there and the black and silver fives were there. And that was the Jordan I got. So that was, that was the first pair I bought my own money. And I coveted that shoe. I have it tattooed on me. <laughs> you know, it's, some people, I see a lot of crazy sneaker tattoos, but this actually has a little more meaning to me. But um, yeah, and then after that, it was just, you know, kind of started from there. And then, you know, when I got comfortable enough to afford, you know, together things, I stockpiled all the other shoes I missed out on as a kid. You know, there was, you know, SC trainer Bo Jackson's in the the Raider colorway, or I remember at one story was um yeah you know, like you used to go to you know school and you get like the one pair you can wear to go first day of school. My choice was between the the Raider colorway of the SC trainer Bo Jackson's or the Mailman catapult from LA Gear, and I took the I took the LA Gears, and I'm so mad that I did that. It's still one of those dumbest things I I ever made dumbest decisions. Man, those are like four different sneaker tendencies I think we all share, and probably all our listeners do too. Um, thinking back, I mean, if you could give a pair of shoes to someone who's just starting out in sneakers, who um, just saw one of your customs and is like, I'm going to go start buying a pair of shoes for my own, what pair would you recommend and why? You're saying it just as a collector or someone who's into custom yeah, I mean, sneakers? From a, from a collecting standpoint where somebody is going to rock them too, it's like, um, you know, a 15 year old going and getting a pair of, let's just say like Concords. Right. Um, right. I think, I think, I think a, a safe choice is probably just the, the, the black cement threes. I think that's a, the staple for everyone's rotation. I think a, it's a, it's a obviously a very versatile and wearable shoe. And then also if you want to decide you want to start doing some artwork, it has some flat panels that you can actually do some artwork and color blocking on. I think that's a, a very good shoe to start with and, you know, for a somewhat attainable considering how many times they've retroed it now. I, I think that would be a good staple. And then if you want to kind of branch out a little more, probably a pair of Air Max ones. Nice. I, all four of us have both of those shoes. So yeah, I'm sure we do. <laughs> yeah. I, I, so I guess like, like kind of looking at that, like on the, you know, from the, like, how do you get started in sneakers or potentially artwork? Like what, what would you then, you know, let's say you're handing that Air Max one or that black cement to a, a 15 year old artist that, doesn't really know where they're headed with it, but knows this is what they enjoy. Like what, what would you, what advice would you give that young kid with that? Um, I would tell them to expect to mess up. <laughs> and I, I think, uh, and the most important part is to learn from whatever that mistake is. I mean, I know I could probably put a kid through 
uh, junior college and all the money I've wasted in base shoes, destroying to figure out what works and what doesn't. And I, and I think we're in a society where everything is, you know, has to be done immediately. You know, if you don't show it, see success immediately, you give up and you just say, you know, screw it. I'm going to go on to something else. And I think that the people that persevere and learn from it are the, are the best off, um, in terms of, you know, an artist too. I, I think if you start small, I think maybe, maybe not start paying on that three. I'm kind of, kind of backpedaling on my, on my statement, just because if you do destroy that shoe, you don't want to feel like you ruin an investment. I remember like my first pair was a pair of all white nineties. So, you know, at the time that's a hundred bucks uh, or, you know, start with a pair of beaters and just, just learn the techniques. You know, luckily there, there's so many resources on how to properly do custom shoes. Now it's great. You know, whether it's YouTube, whether it's on blogs, you know, things like that. I think, um, I think there's so many resources and as an old man, I try not to be jaded by the younger generation that have so many resources that I didn't have. (laughs) And I just appreciate it now and just kind of see the growth. Um, but I I would just start small. I would maybe just change the color of the swoosh and see how that starts and see how that looks, you know, work on that being perfect. You know, when you get a tattoo, you usually don't just start with the back piece. You want to start with something small and then work your way up to that. And I think that's a, I always use tattoos as as a very good uh, analogy to compare, you know, whether it's, you know, scope of pricing or, or even just like, you know, getting work done. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so relatable too. like, you know, my experience, like on the media side, whether that's, you know, shooting photos for people or writing. Um, you know, I just think back to like when I was young, how many mistakes I had to make before I really remembered to not make those same mistakes, you know, and it's, it's like, it's like reassuring to me, even as another, you know, old man sneakerhead, like, you know, that you went through that kind of stuff too, because I think like all of us tend to get down, because of those mistakes and because of those things that we, you know, in the moment we might not realize it's just a learning experience and it's, it's progress. Um, but I guess like, you know, it's considering like the current, you know, stuff going on in the world, what would you, you know, what would you say to that same kid in terms of, you know, maybe trying to find inspiration while they're stuck inside or, or stuck, relatively close to home for the next foreseeable future, you know, to, to like help them get through that. I'll tell you what, inspiration is everywhere. I mean, I know I've, I've sat my butt on the couch for the last three days and, you know, you know, I've been going nuts that I haven't been able to go to my studio. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here watching Netflix, watching, uh, the, the tiger King (laughs) watching this crazy (laughs) stuff, but you know, like things like that. I mean, even, even, you know, watching YouTube and watching old rap videos. And, you know, I was watching DJ Premier do a IG live, you know, last night, you know, and obviously, uh, like D nice was doing his thing too. So it's like, I always get inspired by, by music and by other, other things. You know, I've, I've done so many customs based off of movies, you know, growing up, like I've, you know, coming to America and, you know, Darkwing Duck and all these things that were an inspiration to me. Um, I think, you know, if you can't physically go to the store and go buy a base shoe, I mean, you can still, you know, if you have some Sharpies and, you know, go to town on a pair, a pair of uh, beat up shoes, you know, get, get a pair of Converse's. And, you know, luckily a lot, a lot of these um, people have these resources, don't even know that they can use them um, or just take the time to just decompress. Yeah. I think, I think we're so wrapped up in, you know, our own lives sometimes that it takes something like this to kind of give us a chance to, you know, kind of sit back and give yourself a little bit of time to 
to reevaluate and things like that. I mean, that's what I've been doing. I know, you know, WrestleMania is coming and I, you know, I have two or three pairs and, you know, they're, I brought them home just knowing no matter what I have to do those pairs. But after that, you know, we're kind of, we're kind of chilling. All right. So, uh, last question, I guess this is kind of for everybody cause we always share what we're rocking. So I know we've been, uh, inside, but, uh, maybe the last pair, either what's on your feet today or the last pair that you wore, if you've been uh, on the couch, like most of us. <laughs> right. I was going to say, well, I, me- I remember, um, I was wearing a pair of custom mosh gang eye slides <laughs> before, but, um, what was the last pair I was wearing? Oh, I've been wearing just like the, um, a pair of nine, nine twos. Um, I've, I've been, I've, I've always worn new balance and obviously with this, I guess resurgence again, you know, thanks to Joe fresh goods and some other cool collaborations and things like that. I've been pulling them out again, but, um, I've been, I've been team cozy for a while. I've been trying to just wear comfortable shoes. Um, I have so, so many (laughs) valuable shoes and things that are heat that (laughs) I, I don't wear them. I usually just wear, or, or my action Bronson friends and family boosts. I wear those all the time too. It's one of those nice. pairs that I'll cherish. And I remember Action gave me them with a bottle of his olive oil <laughs> with, with, with the shoes. So That's it's amazing. It, yeah, I have, I have a photo when I got them and I was holding it. I had the shoes in the bottle in one hand. I took a picture. <laughs> oh, man. So, Robbie, Mike, what do you guys got on feet? Man, so just like everybody else, I think I'm sitting around in my house not wearing shoes too often. But I typically, like like Robbie, going outside to, you know, maybe walk or do a quick run. And I've been wearing my Nike zoom fly SPs. Those are like my favorite running shoes right now. So those have been probably the only consistent thing on feet right now. <laughs> what about you, Robbie? Um, I wore the N64 um, Air Max 97s when my girlfriend took me for a walk yesterday. So uh, I like those a lot because they kind of look like they could have been customized um, with, that, with the controller vibes. But that's comfortable. Yeah, I was a fan of those. Color blocking is great. Yeah, I agree. It's funny because I, so, you know, knowing that we were going to talk today, the shoe that came to mind was actually uh, the uh, the mags that you did, right? That were, that had the like light up uh, tongue, right? Was it the, and the yeah. Iron Man ones, right? And I was like, I, I was like, I don't have yeah. any shoes that have any cool features like that. So I actually got like the, I realized that I do have a pair of the the PG 2.5 Playstations with the light up tongue. So that's what I wore today. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things that's so interesting to see the progression of, you know, like that's something you did eight, nine, 10 years ago. And here we are, the brands are incorporating these types of like things that we used to think were, you know, just an anomaly or just like a cool, like one-off thing. And how much, you know, you know, not to gas you up, but like you've really shaped a lot of the footwear choices and like the design stuff on the corporate side of things just by pushing the envelope, you know, on your own, in my opinion. Yeah, well, I appreciate you saying that because I guess when there's so many options of custom artists, sometimes it's crazy as it sounds. I feel like uh, some people forget about me because I'm, I'm pretty consistent. I don't really, I, that's been like one of my strengths and my weaknesses that, you know, people just always expect good work from me. So it's kind of like, it's the norm. So it's, it takes a lot to really, I guess, like make that meter jump 
to have people really pay attention. So I do appreciate it. Yeah, of course, man. Thanks for spending, you know, 45 minutes with us today and, and talking through this. You have some great tips for like the up and coming artists. And I think you and I have been in this for a similar length of time. And, you know, for me, like sneaker history is, is, you know, really about giving back in ways that, you know, we get away from just the the news cycle of things, you know, like, I, I think it's important that people get to see the news and what's coming out and what people are doing. But it's also there's a lot of opportunity for people to just kind of t- turn around and open the door for the next generation. And you've given, you know, just invaluable information for a lot of people today. So I really appreciate you taking the time and um, coming on with us. No, and I appreciate you guys having me. And also, thanks for all, all the love on that that last episode with all the WWE stuff. <laughs> I listen; it's it's great. It, it feels like we could you could probably talk for hours about the whole wrestling sneaker community, which is crazy. Super appreciate that. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, hope to talk to you again later. Yes, sir. Come on. Thanks, guys. Yeah. So just to make sure everybody has a has a way to uh, follow you in case there's somebody that's listening that hasn't. Let's let them know uh, where they can find you online. Dan. Um, well, the Twitter and Instagram is Mosh275. And then also the YouTube channel has started up. And that's actually been a really it's been picking up really well. That's just, you know, the Mosh Customs and a lot of the behind the scenes of, you know, working with some of these really cool people. I'm not the most exciting person in the world, but the people I work with are really exciting. So give that a check out. And then also the Mosh Customs website will be relaunching next month. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks for coming on with us. And uh, shout out to everybody listening. Make sure you give Mosh a follow on all the platforms. Check out the YouTube channel. And until next time, peace. See you. Hey everyone, this is Nick again. Before you take off, I wanted to ask a couple favors of you. If you're interested in more content from the Sneaker History crew, become a member of our Patreon page where we post daily content, drop exclusive episodes, and host monthly giveaways. We'll even help you hunt for your grails. Check us out at patreon.com slash sneakerhistory. Also, make sure you sign up for our email newsletter at sneakerhistory.com slash email. We send out weekly updates on the footwear business and what we're working on here at Sneaker History. Last but not least, take a second to tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how much it means to someone, and it might even plant the seeds for something even bigger. As always, we appreciate you, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question, and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.